My name is Caleb Denman. I lead the creative and production teams at DCC. Thank you so much for listening to the Church in the City podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message, that it enriches and encourages you today, and that it serves towards fulfilling our mission of empowering a movement of passionate Jesus followers. Hey, good morning. All right. All right. So small groups, small groups getting started. Uh, Like Chris said, there's literally one uh, every day of the week, but Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. There's even one in the middle of the day on Wednesdays. If you don't like to go out at night or you're more of a lunchtime type person or what have you, um, we really, I think the Lord's definitely blessed us with host families all over, even as far as um, Cedar Springs, which I don't even know where that is. Um, It's just basically anything north of Rockford might as well be the Arctic Circle. But um, but anyway, yeah, there's a lot of folks actually that drive from up there. But anyway, seriously, so if you live up in that north country, um, that's a great, great spot. Um, That's on on Mondays. Uh, But there's Northwest Grand Rapids, there's Kentwood, there's Hudsonville, all over the city. So definitely make, make use of that. Get plugged in. Like Chris said, even if you can't commit to seven weeks, that's okay. Just come when you can. It's a really, really uh, enriching time. And honestly, for us at DCC, um, frankly, we don't believe that discipleship happens on Sunday mornings, okay? Sunday mornings are a great time for us to come together and to celebrate to celebrate what God is doing, to be equipped and, 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 and to minister to one another and to do all kinds of really, really great and amazing things that Jesus taught us to do. But one of the things that's kind of difficult to do on Sunday mornings is real discipleship. But it does happen in small groups. And like Chris said, I'm telling you, I'm the same way. I didn't really start to grow as a believer until I got involved in small group activities. And so I just wanna plug that again, um, make sure you get involved. I usually like to start when I speak, I usually like to start with a joke. Um, but there's no way I can top Eric's joke. So I'm just going to go ahead and just get right into the message here, if that's okay, um, with y'all. Um, but but uh, again, the name of the series is The Complete Gift of Salvation. I'll read this to you. This is from the weekly, but I know most of you don't read it, so I'll go ahead and read it for you. Um, Jesus said that he came to seek out and to save that which was lost in this world. But what does he mean by save? What is this salvation that God has brought about through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that he is now offering freely to all of mankind? We all know that it's more than just a ticket out of hell, or even a ticket to heaven someday. But then, what is the more? Our goal over the next seven weeks will be to equip our church family to no longer ask God to do the things that he has already done through his life, death, and resurrection, and to learn to walk in the fullness of the complete gift of salvation with boldness and confidence in the complete work of Christ. Now, I will tell you that that journey of learning how to really walk in the fullness of the complete gift of salvation, it's a lifelong journey, okay? So we don't certainly don't expect everybody to be fast-tracked and be like, you know, superstars in uh, seven weeks. Uh, One of my favorites, Eugene Peterson, um, uh, Sid, uh, in the company of Jesus, there are no experts. We're all just beginners. And I just love that. I love that. Because it level sets uh, a place where we're all learning 
at the feet of the master. But this is the first week, and, and uh, I get the pleasure of kicking this whole thing off. I'm excited about it. So we're going to be talking about forgiveness of sin and freedom from sin. Okay? Now, again, keep in mind that this is a part of the complete gift of salvation. This is not all of what we mean when we talk about salvation. See, we throw around these churchy words all the time, right? If you've been in church long enough, you start to speak the language, you know? And sometimes you say and do things that you don't even know what you're doing. You don't even know what you're saying. And at the end of the day, what our goal here is, is to unpack some of this stuff so that when we do talk about salvation, this gift, this amazing gift of God in Christ Jesus, that we really understand at least a little bit more than we did when we started the breadth of it, right? So forgiveness of sin and freedom from sin. And I want to start off by reading uh, what you might think is a familiar story. I like to teach on this story a lot. There's a lot of really, really, really cool things here, Um, but I'm just going to read it. And this is in John chapter eight, and I'm going to start in verse one. I'm going to read for a minute. So just try to stay um, with me and don't fall asleep just yet, okay? Wait until I'm about 10 minutes in, then you can close your eyes. All right, so this is John chapter eight. It says this, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and early in the morning, he came again into the temple area and all the people were coming to him and he sat down and began teaching them. Now the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery and after placing her in the center of the courtyard, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women what then do you say? Now, again, we could, I mean, honestly, like take this in so many different directions, but I'm going to restrain myself and, and try to stay on topic this morning. Uh, he goes on, goes on to say, now they were saying this to test him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. When they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, when they heard this, they began leaving one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone. And the woman, where she was, in the center of the courtyard. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on, do not sin any longer. And it's that statement that I want to focus on this morning and kind of allow this to sort of be the springboard uh, that we go from today as we talk. Jesus says, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on, do not sin any longer. There's two things that are happening here. Forgiveness of sin and freedom from sin. And those are not the same thing necessarily, but you can see here they're both representative. And I'll take you to other scriptures and we'll unpack this, but I want you to understand this morning that the complete gift of salvation includes forgiveness of sin and freedom from sin because not only did Jesus die for you, but he also died as you. Okay? This is a very, very important part of the gospel. Very important. 
Jesus didn't just die to pay the debt for sin. Certainly he did. We'll talk about that. But he also died, was buried and resurrected to provide freedom from sin. A different way of being. A different way of life. Resurrection life. I was thinking about this the last couple of days and it reminded me of when I tried to quit smoking cigarettes. It's a long time ago and, and if you smoke cigarettes, I'm not condemning you. Go ahead, keep smoking cigarettes until the, Lord tells you to, until the Lord tells you to stop, okay? When the Lord tells you to stop, you should listen. But if he hasn't told you to stop, I'm not gonna tell you to stop either. If you wanna talk to me about that later, come talk to me about that later. But the Lord told me to stop. Okay, so that's the, that's the frame of reference you got to understand. The Lord literally spoke to me. I got saved uh, and um, I mean, literally not kidding, probably four days later, the Lord spoke to me and told me to quit smoking cigarettes. And I said, wow, okay. And at the time I was just so, you know, just ready, willing and able, you know, to do anything and everything that God told me to do. And so I just did, just boom, just quit, just stop, done. No problem, done. Well, stupid me, a couple years later, I decided to start again. Yeah, <laughs> that's dumb, right? Dog returning to his vomit, something about that in Proverbs. Anyway, so, so I start smoking again, right? I mean, it was the hardest thing. It was, it, was this, it was the hardest thing I ever did. People say stopping smoking is the hardest thing they did. No, for me, doing it again was actually harder because I was so convicted. It was the dumbest thing, I'm telling you. And I've had so many situations like this. I'm such a brick sometimes. Um, I'm just being honest. I literally was working and, and I was on my way home and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna start smoking again today. So I literally like pulled into the gas station. I almost had to like force myself out of the car. It was like, it was like this, like, you know, the little, you know, angel and the devil, you know, it was like definitely one of those things happening for sure. And I'm so, so I go in and I buy these, buy, buy this pack of cigarettes and I go back into my car and I, I puff one up and, and it was the most terrible, awful, God awful thing I had ever tasted in my entire life. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. This is a great idea. So I did. And I continued to do that again for another couple of years. And the Lord continually convicted me. The Lord continually convicted me. He said, son, why are you doing this again? Son, come on. Like this, you, you know, you know, I mean, how many of you know when the, the Bible says, if you know what, how's that go? If you know what to do, if you know what is right and you don't do it, that's sin, right? So that was where I was at, right? Again, I'm not condemning anyone else here. I'm just saying for me, I knew what was right. I knew what the Lord was asked me to do what the Lord was calling me to do. And it wasn't that. So anyway, so I went down this road, I went down this road and man, I was constantly on my knees. Lord, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I repent. Like I literally had times where I would just, I can't imagine how much money I burned through. I would take packs of cigarettes and run them under the water in my sink, you know, and then throw them in the trash. And then I'd go back out and buy another pack the first thing in the morning and start smoking again. I did this for two years, probably. This just this terrible cycle of just, you know, doing this and, and, and feeling just, you know, full of shame about it because I knew what the Lord was calling me to do and all this other stuff. And, and one day, one day I just said, all right, that's it, I'm done. And I decided to walk in the freedom that I had. 
and I never smoked again. What's the point, right? We sit around oftentimes and we ask for forgiveness and we're constantly going to God, God, I did this thing. I made this mistake. I remember one time I was caught up in this habitual thing that I had going on. I'm, I'm trying to walk free from it. And man, I was just, I was on my knees before the Lord one night and I was like, Lord, I did it again. And I literally remember hearing him clearly say, what do you mean again? And all of a sudden this scripture comes to my remembrance that he takes my sin and removes it as far from me as the east and is from the west and casts it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember, remember it again. And it was so overcome with just the, the love of God and his mercy. But we stay in this perpetual cycle sometimes, maybe not you, but maybe this is just me, right? We stay in this perpetual cycle where we're just continuing going, God, God, forgive me of this sin. God, forgive me of this sin. God, forgive me of this sin. And we don't take the next step to embrace the freedom from sin and to walk in sync and in unity with the holiness and the righteousness that Jesus has given us. Okay? Are you with me so far this morning? Now listen. All right. This is in Ephesians chapter one. Okay? Again, Jesus died for us. He died to provide forgiveness of sin, okay? What is forgiveness of sin? What does that even mean? Well, it means that we're no longer responsible for the penalty of our sin. Simply put, right? When you forgive someone, you make a decision not to hold them responsible for the penalty of their actions, okay? Now, unforgiveness is rampant in the body of Christ. Don't get mad at me, it's true. There's a lot of folks that harbor unforgiveness in their hearts and they do so because they think to themselves, if I forgive this person, it means accepting what they did as okay. No, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is making a choice not to hold a person accountable for the penalty of their actions. It's not saying what they did was okay. It's not even allowing them a place in your life where they could do it to you again. It's merely making a choice to say, I do not hold this person accountable for the penalty of their actions because God does not hold me accountable for the penalty of my actions. Because Jesus paid the penalty for all of my actions. Jesus paid the penalty for all of your actions. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, man, this is like one-on-one stuff. This is just like easy. This is like Bush League. This is entry-level Christianity. Yeah, it is, but I don't know if we really get it, okay? Because if we did, I think we'd be living differently. If we really understood forgiveness of sin, I think we would be living differently. Because again, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, forgiveness of sin is a done deal. Okay? His sacrifice paid the price for all sin once for all. All sin once for all. What sin did Jesus not bear on the cross? Because if there were any, man, you're in trouble, and I'm in trouble. We're all in trouble. If there was a set where Jesus was like, I'm going to take 75%, okay? 
But this 25%, y'all are on your own. Man, you're in trouble. So am I, okay? But that's not the case, praise the Lord, right? He bore all our sin, all the sins of all the world in his body on the cross. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, and he himself, he himself, Jesus himself, is the propitiation for our sins, meaning the, the price paid for atonement. He himself is the price paid for atonement for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The testimony given at the proper time. And in 1 Peter in chapter 3, verse 18, he writes, For Christ also suffered for, the, for sins once for all time. Once for all time. Once for all time, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Jesus paid the price for every sin that you have, are, and will ever commit. True story. If he didn't, if he didn't, you're in trouble because you will still have to pay that debt because it's a debt. It's an open debt, but good news. It says that he canceled that debt. He canceled that debt, friends. He canceled it. It's done, complete, done. Say, why are you hammering this? because we spend a lot of time asking him to forgive us. Why? What did you do that he didn't already forgive? Why are we spending our time asking for forgiveness that's already given? Rather, let's spend our time thanking him for the forgiveness of sin and walking and learning to walk in step with the freedom from sin. Okay, let's stop spending our energy asking him for things he's already given. Lord, will you please forgive me? And it's almost like he's like, come on, are you serious? Are you kidding me with this right now? What do you think all of that business at the cross was? What do you think that was all for? So when he says that we have been given forgiveness of sin, it's a blanket statement. It's not forgiveness of one sin, Peter says at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls and he says, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. Be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sin because he died for you and he also died as you so that you could be completely free from the penalty of every single offense. Now, let's talk about that real quick because I think there's a lot of times that we have this kind of rating scale of sin. Well, that's not so bad. Oh, that's a real bad one. Man, I heard somebody tell me the other day, I heard somebody tell me the other day that they had been taught in school, don't ever go to this school wherever it is, that 
the only unpardonable sin was adultery. I'm like, what the, what, what are you talking about? Like, what? What, what do you even, where does that even come from? How could you even say that? I'm not saying adultery isn't terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's awful. But see, God doesn't have the same rating system for sin that we do. He doesn't go, okay, all adultery and all this other stuff, really, 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 really bad, right? But gossip, backbiting, factions, splitting churches, stuff like that's okay. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. That's like, that's like, that's okay kind of sin. No, it's all terrible. It's not that some is good and others are better or anything like that. It's all terrible. And so if he didn't pay the penalty for all of it, we're all in trouble. Do you get what I'm trying to tell you this morning? This is so important. It's fundamental. Okay, so once we get that, once we grab a hold of that, the fact that he died for us to give us forgiveness of sin, paid the penalty for all sin, for all mankind, once for all. And as Peter says in Acts chapter two, if you repent and be baptized into Christ, you're baptized into forgiveness of sin. Now, I'm gonna bring up baptism several times today. And I want to, I want to mention just a, a slight plug. If you haven't been baptized as an adult and as a believer, I think it's really important that you do. Now, I'm not going to tell you that if you don't go through the physical act of baptism, that you're not saved somehow, or that you can't claim these scriptures. But I'll tell you what, it makes it a lot easier for me when I read Paul in Romans 6, talking about being baptized, you know, into the death and resurrection of Jesus. It makes it a lot easier for me as someone who's been baptized as a believer and as an adult to go, hey, he's talking about me. He's talking about me. He's talking about me. That's, that's me he's talking about because I've been through that. Now, we say that, you know, what, what is baptism? It's a prophetic act of identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so there's a lot of things that are tied to that, but it's literally just an, an act in which we're saying yes, and we're literally, we're literally prophesying over our lives that this thing, that all of this stuff that we're reading about here and and in all these places in scripture is absolutely and 100% true in our lives. So if you haven't been baptized and you want to be, you come talk to me or talk to Dan, uh, talk to anybody, any any leaders, and um, we'll we'll get that fixed up uh, for you somehow. Even if we have to dunk you in the sink. Okay, so Jesus died for us, but he also died as us. Okay, so we have freedom, we have forgiveness of sin, but we also have freedom from sin. Now, what do I mean when I say freedom from sin? Freedom from sin literally means that we are no longer in bondage to sin. Okay, now, you've often heard it said, and I've said it before, I don't say it anymore, but I've said it before, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm not a sinner, friends. You won't hear me say it. I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. It doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean I don't sin. But that's not my nature. It is not who I am. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. You are brand new. You have a new nature, right? Paul talks about your old nature being cut off, right? With a circumcision, not by human hands, right? So literally your old nature is, is cut off and you've been given a new nature. You've been made a partaker of the divine nature, according to Peter, okay? So what does that mean? It means that you're not a sinner. It means you're a saint. 
So when you're walking down the road and you find yourself in sin, guess what? You're not acting congruently with your nature as a saint. Yeah, you're acting in a way that's similar to your old nature. That's true. So stop. But if you're a sinner by nature, you have no power over sin. You're powerless. You are in trouble. You can't not sin. If you're a sinner, how can you not sin? That's who you are. How? It's not possible. That's why he changes your nature. That's why he changes you from the inside out. That's why he makes you new. He doesn't make you just sort of new. He doesn't make you kind of new. He doesn't make you cleaned up. He makes you brand new with a new nature called saint, set apart, holy, righteous. Now, does that make you perfect? Man, I wish it did, but it doesn't. We are on a journey, friends. We are on a journey but you are free from sin. If you're in Christ, if you belong to Jesus, you are free from sin. Listen to this. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he himself brought our sins in his body up on the cross, I mentioned that earlier, so that we might die to sin, okay? So he brought our sins up on the cross so that we might die to sin. That's why I'm saying he died as you, okay? That we might die to sin and live for righteousness. First John chapter three says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who remains in him sins continually. No one who sins continually has seen him or knows him. No one who has been born of God practices sin because his seed remains in him and he cannot sin continually because he has been born of God. Now, people get confused about this. They're like, so you mean that Christians don't sin? That's not what he's saying. He's saying that we don't live in the practice of it. It's not our nature. It's not what we do. It's not where we live. It's not that it doesn't happen sometimes because we make mistakes. We miss up, we mess up, we stumble, we fall sometimes really, really badly and we biff it so hard and we need, you know, a lot of <laughs> whatever. But home, but, but he's saying, look, I'm, it's, not that, it's not that Christians don't ever make mistakes. It's that if you're born of God, you won't live in it. It's not who you are. You have literally been set free from it. You have been released from the prison of bondage to sin. Before I, was, before I belonged to Jesus, I was a really, really, really good sinner. Man, I was good at it. Could t- go to toe-to-toe with anybody. And I'm not glorying in my sin. I'm glorying the grace of God because there's no way that any person would have found anything good in me. At the lowest of my low, at the most absolute bottom of the pit, I remember it like it was yesterday. Sitting there in a friend's apartment over on Fuller in Easttown, 
this old Martin guitar in my hand, singing the House of the Rising Sun, which is, you know, the song, the ultimate sinner's lament about, I won't even bore you with the depressing details of it, but it's, it's a sad song. And I literally remember the moment I opened my eyes and I experienced the presence of God in a real way for the first time. And I felt the deepest sense of love and acceptance that I ever experienced in my entire life. And I thought to myself, if this God can love me right now, I'm in. This is unimaginable. This doesn't make any sense. I've got nothing. And he set me free. Not only did I receive forgiveness of sin, never to have to pay the penalty again, but he set me free from the prison of sin. He set me free from the bondage to it and changed me so that I could walk free and I could live a life of righteousness and holiness set apart to him, that doesn't mean a life of perfection. It means a life of pursuit. Okay, the life of a follower of Jesus is not a life of perfection. It's a life of pursuit of the master and the things that he cares about and the things that he loves and the things that he is after. So listen to this. I wrote this down. And then we're going to close this up today. Most Christians have no trouble at all believing that God forgives their sins. However, some fail to grasp the fact that he has forgiven all of our sins. That by receiving Christ, we have fully received forgiveness of sin period. If this is true, it is unnecessary to ask God for forgiveness. What sin has he not already forgiven? So rather than spending our time asking for forgiveness that we already have, we ought better to use our energy thanking him for forgiveness of sin and the freedom from it. Then when we find ourselves missing the mark, we simply repent and walk consistently with the truth of our righteousness. But friends, the rabbit hole goes even deeper. Consider the fact that there is a difference between freedom and liberty. Liberty being the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved and freedom being the power to think or act as one chooses. If these definitions are true, then we see that a person can have liberty without walking in freedom. This is the state that so many Christians find themselves living in. They've been granted liberty and they are no longer imprisoned or enslaved, but they have never engaged their freedom, meaning that they have not embraced the power to no longer act or think 
according to their former way of life, and as such, might as well have never been granted liberty at all. Friends, let us fully grasp and lay hold of these truths, searching our hearts and minds for areas where we have yet to embrace the fullness of forgiveness of sin, either for ourselves or for others. But also let us completely lay hold of the freedom from sin that Christ provides through his death, burial, and resurrection to all who belong to him, that we might truly live the abundant life that he has given us all. Thanks for listening to this episode of Our Church in the City. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode with a friend as we are fulfilling our mission of empowering a movement of passionate Jesus followers. And if you haven't yet, check out our sister podcast, Deeper. It features a rotating panel of hosts and participants from the DCC family talking about the messages we hear on this podcast. You can find it on this podcast feed and on our YouTube page. Thanks again and goodbye for now.